Welcome to the Holistic Psychiatrist Podcast, a place for inspiration, insight, and information on holistic mental health. Join your host, Dr. Alice Lee, and discover critical information on safe, effective psychiatric medication withdrawal. Explore new ideas that enlighten and expand the mind with cutting-edge authors and experts, along with former patients as they share their miraculous healing journeys. It's time to build your well-being from the thought up. It's time for the Holistic Psychiatrist Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Alice Lee. Hello and welcome to the Holistic Psychiatrist Podcast, where we're building well-being from the thought up. I'm your host, Dr. Alice Lee, a holistic psychiatrist practicing in Lehigh, Utah. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you my guest, Dr. David Kopaz. He's a holistic psychiatrist, writer, and artist who works in Seattle, Washington in the VA Medical Center. He's an assistant professor at the University of Washington. He has written three wonderful books, Rehumanizing Medicine, Walking the Medicine Wheel, Healing Trauma and PTSD, and Becoming Medicine, Pathways of Initiation into a Living Spirituality. His last two books were created in conjunction with Joseph Rail, a Native American visionary. Stay tuned for part two, where we'll be exploring the idea of the medicine wheel and how life evolves through circles. I wanted to talk about some of your other creative projects and books that you've written, the ways in which you've integrated some of your holistic approaches in the VA system, which I think is very challenging because the VA system has its system and you're a holistic psychiatrist with very holistic views. I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about your second book, which is Walking the Medicine Wheel and the way in which you integrated that and some of the things that you learned through Joseph Rael in the treatment of PTSD and war veterans. Share with us a little bit of what you wrote in there. Yeah, trying to think of a way of doing it without going all the way back in, in time from the beginning of the story where I'd met Joseph. But I guess I will. I'll just briefly summarize. So in 2014, he invited me down to visit him for three days. And, and I was working on the hero's journey model for working with veterans to help them reacculturate using Joseph Campbell's hero's journey model and looking at narrative and creative ways of understanding acculturation. I thought maybe I would do a chapter on indigenous approaches to healing, but realized the first day after talking with Joseph, there was just so much there. And as I was writing up my notes, it went from like a chapter to two chapters. Okay, it's a whole book. And now it's two books. And then it's like the trouble with tribbles and that old Star Trek thing. All of a sudden, like there's books everywhere, unwritten books. My my mind and and Uh house is filled with unwritten Uh books because there's always new information and energy and ideas coming through. So then we wrote this book. So Joseph had visions of the medicine wheel and then wrote from the perspective of his visions. And he teaches, he's clear to say he's not giving away traditional Southern Ute secrets or Picaris Pueblo secrets, which are the two kind of places that he grew up. His mom taught him about the medicine wheel when he was growing up and he's got a huge kind of medicine wheel mandala painted on his ceiling in his house. The idea of the medicine wheel is a holistic circle. So I was looking at the hero's journey, which is a circular path. 
you're in the known. Actually, this is interesting given the talk about known uncertainty. You're in the known. You have a call into the unknown or into uncertainty. You cross the threshold from the known into the unknown world. You have mentors who help you reorient in the world of the unknown. You often go through an abyss or some type of trauma or either a dark night of the soul, or it can even with veterans, it could literally be combat situations. And then you start to put yourself back together. There's an Alex Gray triptych painting of the journey of the wounded healer. And you've got the healer walking along and then blam, it's blown into a thousand pieces, which also fits with like the Chen Ritzig or Avalokiteshvara story of vowing to end the suffering of all beings or burst into a thousand pieces. And so Chen Ritzig, Tibetan Buddha, blows into a thousand pieces because he can't end suffering. But then another Buddha takes compassion upon him and puts him back together with a thousand arms. So having been broken, he's better able to attend to the suffering of others. And back to like the Alex Gray image, after being blown apart, the wounded healer or the shaman is put back together with new kind of spiritual organs and new insight and new abilities to transcend the known because they've exploded beyond the known, if that makes sense. And then in the hero's journey, you come back, you cross the return threshold, having been transformed and initiated back into the old world. So there's this return, you go back into the known, but you are different now. Then that creates a whole nother challenge because you have this sense of, hey guys, like in Plato's cave, you've seen outside of the cave and you're like, hey, there's more than just these shadows on the wall type of thing. And then you're back there with this experience and you're trying to, Campbell thought that the individual hero, their first responsibility was individual transformation. Their second responsibility was social transformation because they brought back what society needed to grow. Mm -hmm. So with the medicine wheel, there's also this circularity of something dawning in the East growing and ripening in the spring, grow, oh, say growing in the spring, maturing in the summer and ripening, harvesting in the fall, and then going into the state of decay or quiescence or darkness of the winter. And that circle is happening all of the time. And what Joseph would say with trauma is you have to see where the person is stuck. Mm -hmm. So we could say from a psychodynamic perspective, where's the person's resistance to growing and what defense mechanisms are they using to prevent themselves from growing. So they're either trying to stay stuck or they're trying to go backwards in the medicine wheel. And we hear this all the time with trauma where people say, I just want to go back to the way it is. Mm -hmm. From the medicine wheel perspective, you'd say, why would you want the medicine wheel to roll backwards? The medicine wheel and life functions by rolling forward. So yes, it gives a place to trauma as well as the hero's journey does, it gives a place to trauma. And then Joseph would say, through ritual, you can enter into intentional suffering. Mm -hmm. And that's how you reach transformation. So initiation, transformation means that at some point, you either choose to let go of your ego, or you have your ego kind of beaten out of you if you're going to transform. And then you have the choice either way. The mm -hmm. more you choose it consciously, which again, looking at it from a psychodynamic perspective, the more you decide to make the unconscious conscious, the better adjusted and happier you'll be, the less suffering you'll have. Mm -hmm. the, when you were talking about the yes. hero's journey, 
I was just thinking a couple of things. Number one is that as healers, it does make sense that to be a better healer, a hero's journey is important because heroes are supposed to be there to help save somebody. So if you don't go through your own journey, you haven't been toughened up in some way to be able to help someone else through their journey. The other thought that I had as you were talking about this wheel is that if you step back a little bit, it reminds me of a spiritual perspective too. Like I was thinking that the hero's journey can also be seen as the entire life as being blown up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then when you go beyond your life and you carry with you Mm. this kind of experience that you've had on this planet, then there may be even more of that processing where the growth and the healing can happen after the life. Because sometimes people's lives are miserable from beginning to end. And you think, where's the healing part of this particular person's journey? But it may be that spiritually, they come into this world to experience being blown apart and having a lot of struggles. And then when they leave the world, that journey can keep going on with what we can think of as metaphorically a medicine wheel, but it's happening beyond what we can understand in our time span or what we can see. The movie Groundhog Day, I think, illustrates the idea of learning through multiple lives transmigration of the soul or reincarnation, except in the frame of the movie, Bill Murray's character wakes up in the same place every day and mm. the same thing happens. And you see him in the beginning, he doesn't, he's not even aware he's suffering. He's a total jerk. He makes everyone else suffer. And he's in a state of kind of certainty. He knows exactly what he wants. He wants to feed his ego. He wants very materialistic things. He doesn't care about anyone else. Mm-hmm. And yet through having to live that same day over and over again, you Mm -hmm. see the beginning of a transformation where he starts to help out other people. And eventually, then he, instead of trying to get something for himself, each time he's like, okay, I got to do this. I got to run. The kid's going to fall out of the tree. I got to catch the kid. I got to help the old ladies with their tire. tire. I got to run. I got to save the guy who's choking in the restaurant. And so, at the end of the movie, he develops the ability to be vulnerable and to love. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the beginning of the movie, he doesn't have that. So that is this kind of circular process. And Joseph will say that as well, that we have to keep going back to whatever it is. And his view of trauma is mm-hmm. that when people have had a trauma, that trauma is going to come back to you in some sort of cyclical way in your life. It might be once a year, like an anniversary reaction. It might be every four years, every 10 years. And so the other thing is he looks at the individual the community and the ancestors all in this interconnected way. So in a way, the present generation is trying to heal the traumas of the previous generations, that that also that intergenerational trauma aspect is going to come up again and again. And then Joseph would say, we're trying to heal the medicine wheel. We're trying to repair the sacred hoop of the medicine wheel. And until we get that it's going to keep bumping us with these recurrent traumas. Is the medicine wheel in different contexts being used as different metaphors? Like we use the word medicine wheel, but in different situations, is the medicine wheel representing different aspects of healing? 
One thing I'll say too is, is just let me make one side comment and I'll come mm-hmm. to that. Okay. So, and with the medicine wheel, I've had the whole challenge of Joseph teaching me this and also being very aware of cultural appropriation. And so, I don't use medicine wheel much in my clinical work, other I do work with some Native American veterans. And if it comes up with them, then I'll use it. But other times I'll try and use like the hero's journey or other circular models of healing. But with working with Joseph, that's what he's telling me about is the medicine wheel. He, I think he would say reality is a metaphor of the medicine wheel. The medicine wheel is the real thing. And we're in this sort of dream state that's, that's almost like a projection of the medicine wheel. So really, we might try to fix things at this level. But what we need to do is we need to fix things at the medicine wheel level, and then things here will follow suit from the medicine. It's almost like he's talking about a divine evolution of the soul. You could say that. Yeah. And oftentimes he'll say, God told me we're supposed to have already gotten past this and we're stuck Uh in something. We're stuck in materialism or we're stuck in ownership or we're stuck in these different things and we can't move on. We're behind schedule here because... Mm -hmm we've gotten hung up on something. And so the medicine wheel for Joseph, one of the ways I think about it and write about it in the book is the inner and outer medicine wheel. Mm -hmm. So for Joseph, each direction has a color, a vowel sound, a direction in space, north, south, east, west, a almost like a archetypal idea or concept and physical, emotional mental and spiritual. So there's this inner medicine wheel that we experience within ourselves, but we're also inside of an outer medicine wheel, which is like the seasons. The season is a medicine wheel. The directions north, south, east, west are a medicine wheel. Going through the emotions from mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual is a medicine wheel. So every experience, this is something he says that's complex and esoteric, but that we don't exist. And what I've come to see is, to understand that is, when we are striving to persist, we're interfering with existing. Mm -hmm. Because when we have spontaneity, if you all of a sudden you're talking, and then both people laugh, and they get this burst of energy, and he says, see what happened? We were existing for a moment there. So this circles back, you know, to our beginning discussion about certainty, that when you're certain, you're striving to persist in a state of existence, which is actually non-existence, because existence is when you're in a process of moving. Then he also says in Tiwa, in the Tiwa language of the of Picaris Pueblo, that it's a verb language. There's more verbs than nouns, whereas English is a noun language. So English is a materialistic language of person, place, and things, and ownership. Whereas mm-hmm. in Tiwa, it's about interconnections and relationships. And Joseph says, we've got a page in Becoming Medicine that mm-hmm. says, God is in the spaces, not in the word. The spiritual isn't in the thing. The spiritual is the thing that connects the things. Mm or the space in between the things, the place where some uncertainty can happen. And then I think of it in a way of almost like a quantum physics, like a pulsating strobe light or something, that when you're in a state of being a true human being, as Joseph would say, you are welcoming the sense of non-existence so that you can move into existence to pulse in and out. Or the Sufis say to die before you die, to be able to embrace the death of knowing and the death of your ego so that you can re- be reborn into the spiritual. 
and even the idea of the counter curriculum in a way, I think it's okay that the world ends in a sense, or it's okay that things end. Reality is constructed in such a way that we're moving through time and the past moment is always ending. You know, what happened at the beginning of this talk doesn't exist now. And if we're trying to hold on to the present moment, then you're preventing the next instant from happening. It brings up an idea that I thought about a while back in terms of understanding spiritual things. You can call them things. They're not really things. But like anything that's really deeply spiritual, let's say when you talk about something spiritual that kind of happens in a certain dimension beyond what we experience on the planet, we live in a four-dimensional world. And let's say these spiritual things like love, peace, whatever it is that we're trying to grasp as a noun, to me, I was thinking about it that when you're dealing with something really spiritual, that word cannot be fully understood without motion, without action, without flow. So, for example, I was thinking about it in terms of the word love, which is a very spiritual thing, that love isn't something that you could even say. Let's say you say it in four-dimensional space and you say, I love you. A person can hear those words, but they don't feel the actual spiritual experience of being loved or loving someone. It has to be an action. It has to be lived through. It has to be emotion. And you can think of it in in terms of quantum energy as a flow, like it's like a circle. Mm -hmm. So it behaves, it has certain qualities. You can think of love as coming from this multidimensional space. It's coming down into our dimension and it can be squeezed and simplified to a certain degree, but it cannot be squeezed into a two-dimensional, three-dimensional or four-dimensional thing. It has to be actually lived in, in order for that particular thing that exists at a multidimensional space to really truly exist in some limited capacity in our lives. And so, when you talk about even existence itself has to be emotion, you're talking about dying and then living and then appearing and disappearing Mm -hmm. and how it's a cyclic kind of process. It reminds me of how things that are really, let's just say real, and are at a multidimensional existence in another space, there's always motion, always activity, always, it's never a static thing. And I think that's what Joseph Rael is saying and his culture use verbs. So it's perhaps even more uh, a spiritually grounded language because everything is in motion. And for him, maybe this the medicine wheel is much more intuitive because it's grounded in that cultural context mm-hmm. within a language that allows for action and motion in their daily conversations. Yeah. Maybe a way of simplifying things is to look at Joseph says that the Tiwa word for God is wamachi, which he translates as breath, matter, movement. So, if God is breath, matter, movement, when we are in a state of balanced breath, matter, movement, we are in harmony with God. Materialism is one third of that. It's a focus on matter without the movement or maybe the movement of matter, but without the breath could be the spiritual element. Anything that's in a state of breath, matter, movement is in a state of manifesting God, being 
like a epiphany or a hierophany or a way of bringing God into the world. This is what I was going to say a moment ago, that the spiritual and the human and God is in a process of being continually recreated. And so that's the purpose of ceremony that Joseph would say is to rekindle the world in a way, or to almost to give, if you look at the circular thing of like to give CPR to, to God, to be, and or God's giving CPR to you. I'm not sure who's breathing into who. I guess it's usually God breathes into, into the human being, but then the human being exhales. And so maybe mm-hmm. the exhale is breathing into God and going back mm-hmm. and forth. There's different religious traditions that think the world needs to be recreated every day. And some of the Pueblo people, like when Carl Jung met Mountain Lake, Ochoibiano, he taught them, he was from Taos, Pueblo, and he taught them that the Pueblo Indians had to do a ceremony every morning, otherwise the sun wouldn't rise. So they were in a relationship to reality, that if you don't do the ceremony, reality stops existing. And I would say it gets into a deadened place where you've lost the soul. So the soul is always in movement. And if you've tried to enshrine certainty or enshrine the known, you're desouling things. And the spiritual process is to be continually dying and continually being reborn, mm. to lose your soul and to be resold. And then with burnout, I've been thinking about this. It was one of the questions that you'd, you'd sent. We haven't touched on that much yet. But with the idea of burnout, I've started to think of that as soul loss. And then if we're trying, there's so much our sort of logical positivist suffering avoidant perspective is burnout's bad. How do we prevent it? Instead, it may be burnout is a natural part of working with suffering beings. If we work with suffering beings, we're going to suffer at some point. Burnout could be a logical outcome of working with people who are in pain and suffering. The problem isn't the burnout then. The problem is we're half initiated and we don't know how to complete the initiation. Mm. We don't know how to be, like Samuel Shem says this too, of to be honest with suffering, to be honest mm. with death. I see. If we're not honest with it, then we're stagnating. Mm. But to be honest with suffering means that we will suffer too. And right. then it's a transformative process. The burnout is a call to initiation as a wounded mm. healer. And rather than trying to prevent being wounded, Instead, we embrace the woundedness of the world and of the suffering beings we're working with so that we can be transformed. Like this gets back to the Chen Ritzig story. You have to blow apart into a thousand pieces in order to be a good healer and then to put yourself back together. Mm-hmm. Another way of saying that is a healer is somebody who knows and understands suffering, not from an academic or intellectual standpoint or what happens to the kidneys in a certain kidney disease, but understands what it is to suffer. And from there, compassion, the source of the word compassion is to, passion goes back to suffering. Mm -hmm. So, to suffer with, to be with somebody. Mm -hmm. So, to develop in compassion, you have to be comfortable with pain and you have to be honest with suffering and honest with death. It does remind me of what I share with people and also in my podcast trailer is that the reason why I got into holistic psychiatry was because I experienced how difficult it was to come off Zoloft. I was put on Zoloft during my residency because I was under stress at that time. I was left on 
25 milligrams of Zoloft for about five years. And when I decided to stop it, then I experienced withdrawal symptoms. Initially, I just thought it was depression. So I would just get back on the medication. It would just suddenly go away. And then if I wanted to come off, which of course I wanted to, every time I did that, I would fall into a deep depression. After a few times of that, then I finally got what it was that I was experiencing, but I definitely gained a lot more compassion for my patients and started to think about my role as a psychiatrist differently. Because up until then, I was conditioned to think that by giving my patients a medication, I was doing them a favor and this that's it. You're on the medication and you have a chronic illness, therefore you stay on it. But because of my experiences, it taught me compassion. And I was able to think about what does it feel like to be a patient who is expected to be on a medication forever, who is given a label that is supposed to never come off. It's chronic. Once you're labeled, it's incurable. What is it like if you want to come off? How does it feel? And all of these different things that allow me to go from the side of the healer to the side of the patient is what drove me in time to search for better answers for my patients. And I think it was the foundation of why I was so persistent in that search to find the answers for my patients. Because without that compassion, you don't have the motivation, you don't have the persistence, you don't have the desire, you don't have the insight. I think that the uh, compassion part is really key to why doctors do what they do. And so many of the holistic doctors have gone through their own healing journey. Mark Hyman, he's not shy about sharing that he had a horrible time healing from his health problems until he went into more of a holistic perspective. Thank you for listening to the second part of my interview with Dr. David Kopaz. And I hope that you'll be back next week for part three, where we'll be exploring the challenges of activism and social responsibility in the face of dangerous lies that create illness within society. We'll discuss how to treat others with respect despite polarized politics and how to address unresolved issues within society as healers of our community. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Content provided by this podcast is for informational purposes only and has not been approved by the US FDA. This podcast is not intended to provide personal medical advice, which should be obtained from a medical professional. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.